Welcome to this week's episode of the Print On Demand cast. Each week, join Travis and Josiah as they provide insight into the print on demand industry and equip you with the tools, advice, and strategy you need to achieve success and hopefully have a few laughs along the way. Now, on to this week's show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Print On Demand cast. As always, I'm Josiah, and I'm joined once again by Travis Ross. And as we are recording, Travis, it is Memorial Day Monday, mm-hmm. and you just got back from a foray in the mountains camping, and I just survived uh, my little sister-in-law's graduation party on Saturday. <laughs> I'm sure both were equally crazy. Both were equally as full of pandemonium as the other. But tell us, man, how did your weekend go up in the mountains? Yeah, it was awesome. It was our first actual trip with our new pop-up camper. It's not new. It's new to us. That's right. Um, But it was, oh man, it was great having that thing. I'm so glad we didn't have to sleep on the ground again. We've always been tent campers and, um, you know, being (laughs) in in Colorado, you, you know, camping is kind of a thing, you know, and we have a lot of friends that do it. So we actually met another family up there that has kids that are friends with our kids and, and they were having a great time and, uh, we had perfect weather it was really, yeah. really perfect. And we even have, I mean, it gets, oh, good. it's pretty early in the season. So like at nighttime, it gets kind of cold and, you know, up at 9,000 yeah. feet or wherever we were. Sure. Um, it was so good to have yeah. a heater and inside of that camper, man, it was like, we were definitely glamping. Let's just put it that way. But we had a great time. Um, yeah, I was just going to say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had a great time. My son, actually, uh, my oldest son is my production manager. And he we left Thursday. And so he ran the shop basically Thursday and Friday and did a great job. And um, you know, I checked in with mm. him right as we were leaving on Thursday. And um, and then when we got back, I you know just yeah. checked in with him again. And he had no issues and um, actually was testing on doing some test prints and kind of taking some initiative, which is really cool when, you know, one of your employees takes the initiative while you're away. So was really happy about that. Um, How about about you? How was it? I I was just, go ahead, go ahead. (laughs) Stupid delay. I hate it. (laughs) <laughs> the, the, the delay is uh is is real folks so you won't hear it yeah. because we polish up this turd before we put it out to you guys <laughs> but uh for us it is very real yeah. <laughs> totally um, so uh yeah man things things were good uh saturday uh my my little sister uh jocelyn she's my sister-in-law but um she graduated went to her graduation ceremony outdoors mm-hmm. it was chilly uh saturday morning her party <laughs> was supposed to be sunday but sunday was horrible weather we moved it yeah. up a day before and actually it worked out really really well I had a lot of people come through had some amazing smoked pulled pork tacos and chicken mm-hmm. and Yummy. all the good food and all the all the games i uh, i beat all of the um 20 somethings and teenagers thrice at the game of put out or knock out the basketball game, whatever you call it. But, Ooh, um, nice. they were all very, they were all very, um, surprised, which I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I'm still sorting that out, but, um, <laughs> they were surprised that I could, uh, pull it off, but no, it was a good weekend, man. It was a lot of fun. And, uh, we cool. checked the, checked the order queue on Saturday and saw that uh, one of our clients, the one that went, we talked about last week that kind of popped off, one of his videos went viral, sold mm-hmm. about 140 orders in 12 hours. And then we realized, wow. sweet, sweet Jesus, uh, we're going to have to pull <laughs> at least a half day Monday and try and get caught up a little bit. So we did yeah. that today. Um, got got some some stuff ran just to try and keep up with uh, the momentum that he has, which is super exciting. So 
Uh, but yeah, my and my youngest nephew is staying with me for the next week and a half, so he's going to be learning. He did hats today, and he'll be kind of hopping in and and doing mm-hmm. some work for us while he's here. So yeah, with Father's Day coming up, um, I don't know how you guys have if you guys have seen an increase. We have definitely seen an increase in in sales um, on our sales channel. And, uh, and with the holiday this week and having a holiday on a Monday and coming in on a Tuesday, it basically gives three days of orders Mm -hmm. to kind of accomplish on Tuesday. Luckily they don't expect you to ship on a holiday, so it doesn't count towards your handling time, but (laughs) Tuesday and and Wednesday is going to be, you know, kind of catch up day for us. Um, which is, which is good. I'm glad, you know, we're, we're, getting more sales in as we get closer and closer to father's day. I'm, I'm, I'm sure our listeners are hopefully experiencing that with their print on demand stores that, you know, we're getting a little more sales as we kind of get closer and closer to father's day. Sure. Absolutely, man. Well, um, we are excited for this episode. We have a guest, another interview episode for this one, uh, talking about a, a topic that I think is worthy of spending some time on when you're talking about keywords and how you generate mm-hmm. keywords and the difference between keyword research for finding a niche and then keyword research for actually producing a listing that's selling something within that niche. There is mm-hmm. a difference. And so for this yeah. week, Cordelia Blake joins us and she is going to kind of give us the uh, the 411 on all things keywords. It's a really content rich ep- interview. Um, lots of one of those things you might go back and listen twice because we kind of try to keep on pace and keep it informative and entertaining and not boring, but there's still so much in there. You might need to give yeah. it a second listen. Um, so much good stuff. Travis, what are you looking forward to the most for the listener uh, in this interview? Yeah, I think, you know, last week we had Mike on talking about PPC or a couple weeks ago. And, you know, you're a little bit worried. Is that going to be a boring topic? It's the same thing with this, you know, as keywords. Oh, boy, joy. We're talking about keywords. Is that going to get boring? But I I really think there's (laughs) the both of those topics are so, so important to our to our listeners. And, And I think a lot of people kind of they just gloss over those things. They don't necessarily pay attention to those. And I think it's to your advantage sure. to actually kind of tune in and, and really focus on what Cordelia is saying. The one thing that I really liked about, um, you know, what she was talking about was the mind, the mindset shift of focusing on the products versus the sure. niche. And then extrapolating that from what you just said, yes. that there's a difference between, um, you know, f- kind of design research or, you know, like what you're going to actually produce as your, your product or your design or the thing that you're going to put on the product versus, okay, now I'm going to take that and I'm going to create the listing. And that's actually a different kind of, of research. Um, and the way you want to actually utilize uh, helium 10 is the tool that she's going to talk about a lot. Um, you know, and how she utilizes that for those two different things. It's really interesting. I really enjoyed, enjoyed it. Yeah, absolutely. There's lots of uh, good ideas in here, fascinating ideas, and just hearing her break down the difference, like we, like Travis just said, about how you list and the keywords involved is fascinating. Mm-hmm. So we're going to stop chit-chatting uh, yep. and give you this week's main event, our interview with Cordelia Blake. It's the main event. everybody welcome to the main event of this episode i'm super excited for the guest that we have travis cordelia 
Blake joins us. And for those mm-hmm. listening who might not know who Cordelia is, let me tell you a little bit about her so you kind of know her background before we do the deep dive into all the specifics in her her uh, e-commerce story in general. But Cordelia Blake has been a successful business owner in the field of technology and e-commerce for over 20 years. Uh, she started her own e-commerce product selling company in 2013 and has been consulting with coaching and training businesses on businesses, easy for me to say, on Amazon, strategy, and success. Um, She's launched over 100 products successfully on Amazon as well, so we're super excited to kind of sit under the learning tree of Cordelia Blake. Cordelia, thank you for taking time (laughs) and joining us for this episode of the Print on Demand cast. Thank you so much for having me. I'll sit under the learning tree with you. How about that? (laughs) (laughs) Sounds good. Sounds good. We'll just... (laughs) <laughs> kind of have a powwow under the learning tree and uh, have a good Sounds conversation. Good. So, yeah, awesome. Um, so, Travis, you know Cordelia previous to this, correct? Before, yep. before yeah. this uh, interaction. Yeah, Cordelia, she, she, she's been around for, in the at least in the Amazon space, um, pretty much since I started. So, I think you got onto okay. Amazon. When, when, Cordelia, when, when did you get onto Amazon? Because I, I came I around. I started selling in 2013. 2013, yeah. So you were already there and you were doing a lot of, you know, arbitrage and things like that. But what, let's just back up and let you kind of tell us your your basic e-commerce yeah. story. How did you get started in e-commerce? Sure. So, I mean, one of the things I love about this business is we we are all very creative people. So, like, when you talk to people in this business, they did come into all different ways. So, mm-hmm. um, so I started, I actually worked at an e-commerce company before 2013, like in 2011. And then I stopped working for a couple of years when I had my son. And then I wanted to start my own business. So I'm like, I'm going to start an e-commerce company. And I did. I launched a website. I had a store. I did all that. And I said, Mm -hmm. like, Three sales in eight months. It was a bust. <laughs> and I had bought inventory. I was like all in on it, right? And so I had press coverage and it just didn't take off. It was a party favor store. Mm-hmm. And um, so I I had known about selling on Amazon. So I'm like, well, maybe I can at least sell this inventory on Amazon so that I can just get rid of it. Mm-hmm. And then I started to listen to podcasts and listen to um, like, uh, I used to listen to Deborah Conrad. She was like one of the first mm-hmm. people and Cynthia Stein. And I, I yep. started to learn about arbitrage. And then that was back in like the glory days of arbitrage. Oh, <laughs> like yeah. it, was, it was like, <laughs> now I look back, I'm like, God, why didn't I buy more and sell more? Like it right. was so easy to make money with arbitrage. Yeah, it was the wild west back and then. <laughs> it was, yeah. you could just walk into Walgreens and just buy like $500 worth of toys and you would just almost yep. like guaranteed double your money. Yeah, yeah. And same with Toys R Us was still open back then. And mm-hmm. um, oh my gosh, so much shopping. Yeah. But I did what I could. You know, I had a I had a baby. So I was kind of, you know, working as I was taking care of my son. And I had another child as well that was older. So anyway, I did that and I got really into it. And then I'm kind of case anyone have met me, I'm very social. And so as soon as I started to get involved, I started to want to connect with other people. And I got connected in this group called Scanner Monkey. And I got connected mm-hmm. to Jay Bain. And then we became good friends. And then my background's in education. So really, as soon as I knew how to do anything, I started to teach other people how to do stuff because that's, I love teaching. So um, so that kind of evolved, but my business really evolved. So after um, 
maybe a year or a year and a half into arbitrage, I actually hurt my foot pretty badly. And I like couldn't really walk or stand up very well for about a year. It makes it and hard when you're shopping. That pretty much killed retail arbitrage for me. Yeah. I was like, I can't even like walk my dog, let alone go to Walgreens. So then I started to get into online arbitrage. Mm-hmm. And I knew very early that the, the secret I could see like you had to launch your own products Hmm. that it was fine to sell other people's stuff, but ultimately everything you sold of someone else's just so many things were out of your control. I knew that I wanted to learn how to sell my own products. And so I started to just find stuff in stores that wasn't on Amazon and sell Hmm. it. That was like kind of my entree into my own product, right? was like, oh, this isn't there, but I think this will sell. And that was, that was no healing pen. There were no tools. That was just me (laughs) guessing something would sell. How did you know? How did, yeah. How did you know? How did you kind of vet your different, you know, choices of, you know, is it, did you have like kind of just an intuition that, Hey, I think if I put this in, it'll sell. Or were you like specifically hunting down certain brands of things or how did you go about navigating all that? I mean, part of it, I, I would say my most successful products were things that I knew I would want to buy that I couldn't find. And okay. so there were, you know, clothing items that I couldn't find online. There were um, one of my big selling products that I first launched was this food. It was um, it was like these pecan logs, which I don't know if you are, have never heard of them, but there is mm. a southern thing. So I'm not from the south, yeah. but I live in the south. So I was trying to send a gift to my in-laws of like Southern food and there wasn't anything on Amazon. So I did like go hunt down these pecan logs and ship them. And so then I started selling those. Um, And that was, that was a success. So part of it was just, you know, I have kids with allergies. So I knew that like, I knew that certain kinds of allergies was hard to find that food online. And so stuff Mm -hmm, like that. So that was sort of how I did it. Um, there was a lot of different ways to do that, but that was my entry point to figure out what to launch. And then I did try to go, I went into private label. I did the big importing thing from China, which mm-hmm. was like not so great for me. And then now we do pretty much all domestic, but now I, I do all, and oh, and I bundles through the whole thing. Like I love right. bundles. So I was always, that is something I would say I have an instinct for is bundles. Okay. But I've also taught a lot of other people how to do bundles and bundle classes and bundle coaching. Um, and bundles is just, it's, it's such a great way to solve customers' problems um, that I still, we still bundle a lot of our private label products we bundle. So it's sure. just a great way. And to it, do. it's also a good and, way and to mitigate people getting on like copycat trying to get on your listing. Cause absolutely. there's like so yeah. many different elements to it that they can't just hop on and, and list mm-hmm. one part of it. So that's, I think that's when we were doing that a lot too, it's, we were looking at bundles because it was a way to mitigate yeah. people hijacking your listing. It is. And all the legal protections are great. But the problem with legal protections is the only way to protect yourself is to litigate. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So it's just <laughs> like you might spend $50,000 and be the winner of your litigation. Right. So <laughs> right. the best thing you can do is to prevent the need for litigation. And so yeah, I, sure. the more you can protect your products, make them hard to copy, make them hard to duplicate, even if you're brand registered, even if you're trademarked, even if you have all the legal protections, you really want to avoid litigation at all costs. Yeah, sure. Now it's not, it's not really 
like the focus of our um, of our talk or, or our interview with you. But um, I, I love this idea because like bundles for print on demand is something I don't think is done. I think it's going to continue to become more and more of a thing, but yeah. I don't think a lot of people are thinking mm-hmm. that way. And to our, you know, to our listeners, if you haven't figured it out yet, bundling mm. is basically just taking two products and putting them into one package, you know, so you get two things instead mm-hmm. of the one thing. And like, you know, like I have, you know, thousands of products, POD products on Amazon right now, and there's a handful of them that have copycats on them. Now I have not let reg- registered each one of those individual designs because that would bankrupt me to, to get a trademark for each one of those designs. It's just kind of something sure. you have to live with these copycats. And so if you can figure out a way well, to still have those designs and combine them into one, you know, you're, there's, it, there's a lot less chance that those copycats are going to succeed and, right. and probably even find or jump on your listings. If I, if I may take a learning tree moment here, um, <laughs> yeah. you would copyright your designs. You would copyright your designs right. and trademark your brand. Just, right. There's right, a right, difference, right. but yep. right. right. So, but you're right. You know, and I, th- one of the biggest things with print on demand, the challenges, and I think that print on demand companies are starting to rise to this challenge is that, you know, right now the companies are very focused on volume. So if I order, you know, mugs from you, your goal is to get that turned out as quick as possible. But then if I say, hey, Travis, I'm selling this product. It's like a hat and a mug and a T-shirt. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. when somebody places this order, I need you to print all those three things and put them in one box and ship them to the Mm. customer. That's not Mm. something that you can really get done automatically, you have to be very involved in that. Like we stock our own inventory for our bundles. We don't use print on demand for that because it's just, it it gets very expensive if you have to pay a dollar per item in a bundle and then it really cuts into your margins. So, um, but I think that that is an opportunity for print on demand companies, especially for higher volume customers to maybe add value. Like, Hey, if you guys do a certain amount per month, we'll bundle your products or something like that. So maybe that's something that, Mm -hmm. you know, can work on i don't know awesome yeah that's great information and i love the i love the idea of of uh bundling pod i've never it's admittedly thought of that but i will my wheels are turning i'll just leave it at that yeah uh, we we're that. Talking, yeah yeah i think i think that's brilliant so speaking of pod cordelia how did you kind <laughs> of go from the amazon arbitrage private label mm-hmm. that whole thing and what was the impetus or what led you to think, oh, print on demand is a huge opportunity and I need to get in, I need to get in on, on the party. So I'm actually not, I do do some print on demand. I do mm-hmm. more where we use print on demand products to create like a print on demand type model, but we sure. order inventory and stock it. Mm-hmm. Um, so part of it was I did do my big import from China. For me, it was big. It was like a $15,000 order. It was like yeah. clothing. It was BFD, right? And it yeah. was really hard. Um, it was hard for me to fit it into my life, the whole and the, the time that it took to receive everything, get it through customs. And it was very difficult for me to manage that in my business. Yeah. Um, now, the product that I ordered was actually pretty successful in terms of selling when I finally got it selling. <laughs> 
which took forever, <laughs> like a year between when I yeah. first ordered it. <laughs> and, um, you know, so it wasn't like, it wasn't like, oh, I ordered it and it never sold and it was a failure. It was like, I ordered it, it sold and it still wasn't really that great, you know, because <laughs> it took so long and there were so right. many issues and it was clothing. So there were sizing issues and it was really stressful. And I was like, I can't do this. Exactly. So when you're producing products in the U.S., if that's your goal, as whether whatever you call it, like it's manufacturing, private label, print on demand, they're very. The idea is you're producing your own products mm-hmm. and selling them to the customer. Whether you physically go in your you know warehouse and produce it, or you use a service provider like a manufacturing company or a printing company, it's the same thing. Sure. So for me, it was mm-hmm. it was really learning how to take my desire to private label and produce my own products, but in a way that was manageable for me in the U S to do and execute and um, importing for me was not, it just didn't work. And I have a business partner now and both of us have tried importing and it's just uh, you really, if if you, you know, in general, I would say, let's say that you have a budget, whatever your budget is um, say, let's say it's $10,000. What some people will coach you to do is they'll be like, okay, do your research, find your winning product and buy it. But I'm like, no, nobody is going to win all the time. It's just not possible. Even Amazon doesn't (laughs) win all the time. So you need to take your budget and split it into 10 products minimum. And most smaller businesses, the way they can learn that product is going to be from something in the U.S., or maybe you do, t- you know, a few imports and a few print on demand and kind of mix it up a little. So you see where you fit in and what works both for profit and also for like your lifestyle. Sure. And um, print on demand is now some people use print on demand where they're like, like what Travis does, where he has thousands of designs that he uploads and hopefully some of them will sell. Right. So. Right. I'm much more where I research each product, whether it's print or fulfillment or manufacture, each one is highly researched with keyword research, which is what we are going to talk about today. And then whether it's a printed product, print on demand, manufactured, whatever, a bundle, the product research isn't really all that different to me and the keywording and all that stuff. It's all about finding something that you think will sell. Yeah. So that's kind of how I got into it. So we do very little. Now we do mostly testing with print on demand. And then as soon as we see that something is selling, we order it and fulfill it and stock it. Sure. Okay. So it's kind of like a proof of concept thing. Like, Mm -hmm. Hey, this, we think this is a good idea and let's see. Yeah. That we, we use that similar kind of concept for when we work with local businesses and pitch doing their t-shirts on a website or something like that and say, Hey, it helps you kind of gauge okay, if this design takes off, then we have actual data to compare and say, we can order 150 of these and move them in a month as opposed to ordering 400 and then you're stuck with 350 right. because it just didn't work out, you know? So, or like yeah. what sizes, you know, I mean, that's another big thing with sure. clothing, you know, people don't know what sizes they need to order. So they end up ordering, right. you know, right. they have a hundred smalls and they're running out of extra larges and things like yep, that. Yep. So, yeah. Yep. Well, let's jump into the uh, the meat and potatoes of this whole uh, interview, and and let's actually talk about <laughs> keywords for uh, print on demand. Because I think you know the first thing I want to touch on, and we talked a little bit about this before we pressed record, is just kind of the the general mindset of somebody when they're researching keywords for um, 
for print on demand, I think a lot of times we're mm-hmm. focused more on the product when really the, the actual person that's going to buy the thing, they're not searching for a product necessarily. They're searching for an event or, you know, some type of a gift or something. So they're, they're really more focused on the niche than the actual product. And I think a lot of times when we do, when we do our, um, keywording, we're like ceramic mug, uh, 11 ounce, you know, white. And, you know, we're talking about, we're giving all of the product information when really most of the time we should probably be focusing on the niche. So what would you, uh, would you speak to that kind of mindset Cordelia a little bit and, and, and maybe share some, some thoughts you've you've, you've had on that? Yeah. So the first thing I guess I want to do is distinguish what is keywording and what is keyword research, because those are terms I think that are thrown around a lot and people don't always understand what it means. Mm -hmm. So in my mind, what I've kind of learned over time is there's at least at least two different kinds of keyword research and they frequently get blobbed into one big pile. But first of all, keywords are basically the terms that that are relevant. You know, when you go into a store, like a brick and mortar store, you're looking around, you're seeing, you're touching, you're feeling, you're experiencing with all your senses stuff. And you're like, Ooh, I love that. I want to buy it. Mm-hmm. But when you're looking online, you're thinking of words related to what you're buying. Hmm. And so sometimes those are niche. I'm buying grandma a gift. Sometimes I'm like, uh, you know what? She loves coffee. I'm going to get her a mug. Um, but you're not putting in like white 11 ounce ceramic, you know, sublimated (laughs) mug, right? You're just like mug for grandma, you know? So, and you, you know, so even if it is product specific, it's much more general. Like most people are looking for a type of hat because they like it or a type of shirt or like, I like V-neck. So I'm looking for a V-neck shirt. I'm not looking for, you know a particular, a Gildan, you know, a high, whatever shirt. Sure. So, yep. Yep. so part of it, the keywording is just thinking about what people are thinking, how they would describe your product, whether mm-hmm. it's a niche or just the generic terms they use to describe the item itself. Those are all keywords. And when you're doing research, I think there's really two different kinds of keyword research. One is the kind of research where you figure out what people want to buy. Mm -hmm. That's one kind of key. That's product research. That's where you're like, what do people want to buy? Is it saturated? Can I put something in here that will sell? Once you're like, okay, I'm going to make a hat for people who like to go camping. And Mm -hmm. I'm going to do it for camping dads for Father's Day. That's my Mm -hmm. niche. Um, Okay, so now I've 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 done my research. I'm like, okay, I I can definitely be in this space. It's not saturated. Um, My hat is beautiful, and Travis does a great job printing it, and blah blah blah, all those things, right? Mm, Um, Doesn't that hat look nice? It does look nice. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So then you have to write your listing to sell the hat. And Mm -hmm. that is a different kind of keyword research. The kind of keyword research you do to write a listing is Mm -hmm. can be, if you want to be effective, in my opinion, and as I've learned to be more effective at writing listings, is different keyword research than what I did to do product research. They overlap for sure, but it is different. So I can speak to each of those, but I would say that 
in general, like people would, and, and this is what I used to do too. I would do my keyword research for a product and then I would just turn that into the listing. But now sure. I do a whole new big ball of keyword research for writing the listing that's different than what I did for the product research. Because now I want to look at the listings that are successfully selling mm-hmm. and what are how are people getting there and how can I get into that highway of, bot, of purchasing? And so that's a little bit of a different research methodology. Yeah, talk okay. to us a little bit about, about that because I think <laughs> – I think for me as well, I think the tendency always is the research you do to find the niche, you know, those are the keywords that you'll use to make the listing. So I th- what, right. what, what would be the, the difference between those two methodologies of, of, of research? Okay, so let's take, um, I'm going to take two examples because uh, Josiah and Travis both have, you guys both have print shops, right? So you both print yes. different products. Yeah. So. Um, Travis said that he wanted me to work on like a trucker hat, kind of like what he's got on. And then Josiah <laughs> does, they, they print wooden signs. So I know there's some yeah. overlapping with they print, but so um, in a perfect world, and this is another thing, a lot of like private label classes that you'll take when they do product research, they're like, look for what's popular and then blah, go find a supplier. But my experience in the real world is that usually you have a supplier that you love working with and you're like, what else can you make? And then you see if you can sell that because you're like, this is a good relationship. This is working. Do they have anything else I can sell? Yep. So part of, you know, it's fine to do research in a vacuum, but sometimes you're like, okay, I know I can get this made. I know I can get that made. What can I, you know, let me do research those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, if we were looking at wooden signs then or hats, we would start to see what kind of occasions do people buy those for? Are they mm-hmm. buying them for themselves? Or are they buying them as gifts? Um, and then you start to look at niches. Like, are they buying it? Like you said, for grandma, for grandma, for RVing, for camping, for, um, for walking. Is it a political statement? Is it a, an emotional statement that they're making. Right. Um, my mm-hmm. son who's 19 his one of his favorite things to buy is hats. He has like, a, and every hat has like a personality and a thing that expresses that's his soul's expression <laughs> in the world. Yeah. And, you know, so he's really, now that you have all these like influences or dropping hats and things like that. And he, they're just regular like hats that they, they just got printed. It's nothing fancy. Yeah. So <laughs> part of it is finding that, you know, kind of niche, whether you're looking for a gift item or an influencer's kind of method message or uh, an event where you would give somebody a sign, Mm -hmm. um, you know, anything like that. Like I gave my friend a sign because she got engaged and I wanted her to have a sign on the wall about how happy she was. So I was looking specifically for a wall art sign about love because Mm. I wanted it because she got engaged. Right. Um, so, you know, those are the kind of things where you start, that's keyword research for product design. Okay. So let's say that we've now determined, and I use Helium 10. Mm -hmm. I love Helium 10. I used to not love it. And then I just started using it. And now I cannot imagine my life without Helium 10. Having Mm -hmm. said that, I, I do think Helium 10 is good. I don't think it's necessarily better than Jungle Scout or Amazon Scout or Merchant Words. Per se, I think that 
whatever solution you use, you have to spend a lot of time learning. Right. And so, you know, I, I know Helium's done pretty well now. So yeah. Did you a quick question um, about that while while we're going? Was Helium 10 not your favorite because there was more of a learning curve or it wasn't as user friendly at the beginning and it takes you more time to I'm learn cheap. it? Or what was the I'm what was cheap the and I'm like, barrier? I don't want to pay hundred dollars a month for okay, Helium 10. Okay. Sure. <laughs> or I can sure, $30 sure. a month for merchant words, or I can just use free extensions on Amazon. I was like, <laughs> okay. I have, you know, I'm like, I can do my own, you know, research. I don't need these stupid paid tools. Sure. And then I was like, <laughs> that, so that's me. I'm just, I'm, okay. I'm a little frugal. <laughs> so um, finally, my partner was like, we're buying Helium 10. And then I was like, oh, well, if we're paying for it, I better use the heck out of it. I better use it every day exactly. and get my $100 worth, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so now I'm like an expert at Helium 10. <laughs> um, and now I really, awesome. it's such an amazing tool. But it is one of those things like, you have to learn how to use it for it to be a useful tool. It's sure, not sure. super intuitive. You don't you don't want to um, use ten dollars of the hundred dollars a month. You need to use a hundred dollars of the hundred dollars a month. Exactly. To the cost. And yeah. a little known fact: <laughs> a lot of people don't know this about Helium Ten, but you can have for no additional charge on even their lowest plan, two Amazon accounts hooked into it. Mm. So oh, if cool. you have a trusted colleague or friend. Sure that you tr- you don't care if they see your store and you see their store stuff, you can actually share right. an account. Hmm. Um, okay. that's good and know. that's just included. Hey, Josiah, how are you doing? <laughs> so, yeah, I was, but I was you have to say, ask I, because I you can't can... see every detail of their, it's tied yeah. right into their Amazon account. So you can see everything. Yeah. Sure, so as long as you're sure. comfortable with that, like I share my, well, it's my business partner, but I mean like, so, you know, yeah. but so you can do that if you want. That is a way to save money. Okay. Awesome. Time. Yeah. Good, good pro That's tip cool. right there. Pro tip, yes. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, I mean, some of the usual suspects when it comes to tools are like for, for print on demand, you know, we had Neil Lassen on a few, few weeks mm-hmm. ago. Um, he's got Merch Informer. Um, George, everybody loves George. If you know George from uh, Merchant Words, he's Arts. a great guy, man. Um, he's been, he, he, he was, uh, one of our, mer- our one of our vendors at um, our, all of our conferences, the Rocky Mountain Reseller Conference, back in the day, and um, mm-hmm. you know, just just mm-hmm. a great guy. Um, and then, but like you're saying, you're you're using specifically Helium Ten, and um, I have heard you're not the first person that has told me how powerful Helium Ten really is uh, for keyword research and, like you're saying, for actual keyword listing, I guess, you know, cause we're trying to delineate those. Um, could you maybe share a little bit about, um, obviously we can't do a screen share on an audio podcast, so it's a little bit, you know, it can, it, it can be a little right. challenging, but to, you know, the best way you can kind of give us an example of what you would actually do in helium 10 to, you know, maybe do product research first and then do what you would do to actually mm-hmm. get keywords to write your listing with. So the first thing, um, so magnet is their keyword tool where you okay. just put in keywords and it tells you kind of related keywords. And that's very similar to merchant words. Um, Backing up. It, it's like a suite of tools, right? So it has like, you say magnet. Has like yeah. many different like software things that it does. And each one has okay. a cute little name. So, and they okay. all have different purposes, right? So, gotcha. and I actually don't even use all of them. I haven't, I'm sure they're all great, but I haven't used all of them, but they have magnet, which is their keyword research tool. 
um, which is very similar. Just Magnet is very similar to Merchant Words in terms of the functionality where you type in Mm -hmm. a phrase like you might put in trucker hat or you might Mm -hmm. put in wooden sign and then see what comes up. What are people searching for that's related to that term? Now, keep in mind with any tool, and this was not always the case, every tool is quote unquote extrapolated data meaning none of them really know, okay? So right. people are like, well, Jungle Scout says it's 300 and Helium 10 says it's 350 and Merchant Word says it's 500. Which one is it? I'm like, none of them really know. They're all right. guessing <laughs> based on data, based on information. Yep. It's an educated guess, but it is still mm-hmm. a guess. So none of them are infallible. Right. But, um, but yeah, so you would put in like, let's say that you want, um, you know, hats for dad, dad hats Mm -hmm. or um, housewarming gift signs, say, then you would put that into magnet and you can filter and sort the data, which is really the key to Helium 10 and really any tool is being able to take, you know, 3000 results and turn it into something useful. Um, And so you would sort, you can sort by search keyword search volume. So you can say like, I only want things with at least 200 searches a month. Um, that's kind of my baseline is 200 a month. Um, you can say, I want things that are, uh, in healing time is called, uh, smart complete, which means mm-hmm. that that's what, like when you type into Amazon and it fills in the words for you, um, mm-hmm. in the search bar, some people call that autocomplete healing 10 calls it smart complete. Uh, it's the same thing. Um, And that's basically all of what Merchant Words uses is only that data. Um, So anyway, you, you, you pick that, you can put other search filters in there and then you can see like what search volume has related to hats for dad related to housewarming gifts or engagement gift signs or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then let's say that, um, You can also see in Helium 10, you can see how many other sponsored results there are, meaning how many other people are running ads against that same keyword term. Mm -hmm. So maybe you see that there's like 600 ads running against the term dad hat, but there's only 100 ads running against the term green hats that are organic for dad, whatever. Mm -hmm. I just made that up. So... Um, then you might be like, oh, well, there's like 500 people searching for this every month, but less people running ads against it. So maybe this is a better niche for me Mm. because there's not as much competition on the ads. And so that's the kind of data that you can use to help you do product research and and decide if you want to sell that. Um, There's also no substitute for just looking it up in Amazon. And whenever you look something up in Amazon, it tells you how many search results there are. So it'll be Mm -hmm. like, this is one through 50 of 5,000 results or one through 50 of 2,000 results or one through 50 of 50,000 results. (laughs) So that you want to have it less than 4,000 results is like a big rule of thumb, right? So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. so that's okay, that's so like the product research side of things. That's and, one. And, that's one thing is yeah. using magnet. The ne- the yeah. next tool that I like is Black Box, um, which is their trend research tool. Hmm. Um, and you can see, and so where that comes in handy, and this is something I, I've learned more recently is, uh, and all of this it can get a little overwhelming. So forgive me if I'm getting too deep here, but, um, so one of the things you 
we all know, most of us know, I think everything on Amazon has a rank. So mm -hmm. the best selling thing is like number one bestsellers rank or BSR. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. it goes up from there. And we're always like, what's a good rank? You know, is 100,000 good? Is 50,000 good? Like there's a lot of conversation about what rank is a good rank. Um, but the fact mm -hmm. is that rank is very, it's very, um, like it can change very quickly. So let's say you right. have something that yeah. hasn't sold for a while and then all of a sudden three people buy it. Right. Well, your rank might plummet from like mm -hmm. 400,000 down to 50,000. Just right. because three people bought it. And so if you're simply mm -hmm. looking at rank to evaluate if a product is popular, it does it's a it's a very limited yeah. tool to show you the it's a snapshot. It's a snapshot yes. in time. Right. And you don't really know, is that really has that been fifty thousand for a year? Right. Has that been mm -hmm. and sometimes things like in certain categories, a four hundred thousand rank thing could be selling a lot. It just means that the stuff lower than that is selling even more. So, so what I like to do in black box is you can actually filter by how many sales per month, how many units sell per month. So let's say that I was like, I wonder which trucker hats are doing well on Amazon. Well, you could actually go into black box. You could put in the term trucker hat. And you could say, I only want to see results that have 100 or more sales per month. And then you can actually see, but based on monthly sales volume, which hats are selling well. Sure. And you might be yeah. really surprised. And you might be like, wow, right. there's this hat for grandma. I never would have thought of doing a trucker hat for grandma, but apparently grandma <laughs> trucker hats sell 300 units a month. And you know what? I look up the term grandma trucker hat and there's only two of them on Amazon. So I'm going to yeah. make a grandma yeah. trucker hat, you know? So yeah. it can really get your creative like juices fine when you start to see what sells. Well, what's yeah. selling more than 400 units? Yeah. I might just make a grandma trucker hat just because. You're going to just do a grandma cool. trucker hat. <laughs> you could do a bundle with like a grandma trucker hat and a wooden sign. My grandma's a trucker or whatever, you know, <laughs> trucking grandma. And there's your gift item. Trucker. So, yeah, there you go. So, um, <laughs> and the, so what's cool about black box is, especially when you have that situation where you, you have a supplier that you know is good and you know, they can make X product. You yeah. can put that into black box and you can ask for how many of these wooden signs, how many of these hats, how many of these shirts, whatever it is, are selling more than so sure. many units per month. And you can really right. see what's selling. It gives you a list and it's great. So yeah. that's product research. And then you look at each thing, you search and you see, uh, you know, how, how many other things like that are selling. Is that is everybody so great at Amazon that you could never get in or is, is there space for you to kind of get your product recognized in there? Right. So those are two ways to do product research in Helium 10 and also using Amazon where you look for like the number of search results. So what about the other yeah. side of it? The actual yeah. writing, the listing, how do you, do you use the same tools or are there different Helium 10 There's tools? different that tools use? for that. Um, so the first thing is that, so once you've decided, so let's take our grandma trucker hat example. 
So you're like, you use black box and you're like, oh, wow, grandma trucker hats. That's a thing. I didn't even know that. And then they're selling 300 units a month. I looked on Amazon. There's only four of them selling. So I'm going to do one. And mine's going to look 10 times nicer than those four that are already selling. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've now looked in Magnet and I'm like, there's definitely, you know, as people are searching for trucker hats for grandma, grandma trucker hats, grandma baseball hats, hats for grandma, whatever. Right. So you've kind of narrowed this. You've seen there's a demand. The the it's not saturated. You have an opportunity with a really high quality product to come in and compete. So now you've gone and you've gone and you've had a design made and you've gone and you've either, uh, you're either using print on demand or you've ordered at least one or two to, you know, try them out, see if they're good and you're ready to mm-hmm. list it and sell it. So now what you want to do is look at those four trucker hats that are selling well and again, I always recommend that you look by number of units per month that are selling versus purely looking at rank. And you can do that in a Helium Tons X-Ray. You can do that in Jungle Scouts extension where you can sort by number of sales per month. So you would pull up Grandma Trucker Hats on Amazon and you would pull up the Chrome extension uh, that you're using. <laughs> so I'm going to say Helium 10 X-Ray, but you can insert your Chrome extension there. And then you would you would say like, okay, well, here's four hats and these guys are all selling, let's say, 100 units or more per month. So now what I'm going to do is I'm going to look at each one of those ASINs and I'm going to plug those into a Helium 10 tool called Cerebro, which is a reverse ASIN lookup tool. And what that will do is that will tell me what did people type into Amazon and then they bought this okay. and you can even do a search for, so you know how, when you, you put in a search term into Amazon, like stuff comes up on the page, right? So it's, you know, there's the top thing and the second thing and the mm-hmm. third thing. So you really want to be like, ideally you would want your product to be in that top, say 20 products on the first page yeah. of results. Um, So what you can do is when you're using Cerebro is you can say, I only want to see the keyword phrases for this ASIN that result in this product being in the top 35 results or top 20, whatever you're, or top 40, you know, anything good, right? And so then you're going to get a list of keyword phrases that people put in to buy the successful Hmm. selling product. Hmm. And you do that for each of them. So if there's four or I usually pick the somewhere between the top six and eight, depending. Would you delineate by color or what are you delineating by when you say there's four or six? Yeah. I mean like sizes, colors. Sometimes it's it's almost like the same product, right? Like there's six grandma trucker hats. You're going to use those. Sometimes if it's like a bundle where you're doing a grandma trucker hat and a grandma trucker sign, grandma mother trucker, whatever. Right. Um, mm-hmm. you would look up those things separately, right? So this you would is a say, great oh, example, by the way. <laughs> I wonder if now we're going to look in like three months and there's going to be like 5,000 grandma trucker <laughs> things. I know. Podcast, right? <laughs> so, um, that's, you see that with like some of the really big influencers when they talk about something yeah. and suddenly there's like, everybody's like, Ooh, yeah. I'm going to sell that. Right. Yeah. So, <laughs> Um, 
Okay, so sometimes you can do a direct thing where you're just, it's very similar to what you're selling, only of course yours is better, right? Right, <laughs> of course. Um, other times, if it's a bundle, you might look at the components. You know, okay, I'm doing a sign and a hat, so I want to see the top selling signs, the top selling hats, what keyword phrases are leading people to these to buy these products or to have these come up in the top of search. Um, the other thing that you can do is you can uh, look for something that might appeal to the same audience. So sometimes you're actually trying to sell something that isn't on Amazon, or maybe there isn't a whole bunch of other people on Amazon. Sure. So let's just say, um, let's just say that, I'm trying to think of it. Let's say that you're like going to do a bowling ball bag for grandmas. Okay. Okay, that has special handles that are easy to carry if you aren't that, you know, if you have arthritis in your fingers. Just I just made that up. <laughs> um, there aren't that, but maybe you're going to look mm -hmm. for other bags for people that are older that have arthritis issues, not mm -hmm. bowling bags, but maybe something else like a grocery bag that's right. targeted for the same customer. Um, the other thing you might do is let's just say that you're selling the sign, like you're giving somebody a housewarming gift that's a sign. Right. Well, maybe there's no signs that are housewarming gifts. So maybe you want to look at like a, a framed art. It's not a wooden sign, but it's framed sure. art. So it's probably sure. the same if it's a similar message to the same customer and it's selling well. It's reasonable that if people put in those search terms and your product came up, that they would want what you're selling. And that's the biggest thing that I've had to learn with all of this, keywording, pay-per-click, all of it. You know, part yeah. of us, we want to convince people to buy our product. Right. You don't want that mug. Yeah. You want this hat. Forget mug. Mugs are stupid. <laughs> buy my hat. You don't want this sign. Buy my mug. But really what you want is you want to find all the people that already want your product and then yeah. show them your product so they can buy it. Right, And so you're not trying to convince people who want a mug that they should really buy a hat. You're just trying to find all the mug buyers sure. and show them your mug that yours sure. is the best one. So that right. is a little bit of a difference in keywording. Yeah, yeah. yeah totally. Awesome. Well, that's definitely, definitely useful information. Um, Travis and I always say, Cordelia, that we are the first listeners to these interviews and <laughs> we get the uh, – we get the um, – I guess ad advantage of, of hearing this and, and implementing it before it goes out to the, mm -hmm. to the world, to the super information we, highway. We, as I like, to we say. get to like <laughs> actually list a, a grandmother trucker hat before there anyone else does, you know, so because we're the first ones. And I actually have done some, if you like screenshots and stuff, I do. Um, I have a YouTube channel called Cordelia yeah. Blake TV. Yeah. Um, so it's Cordelia mm -hmm. Blake TV. If you look that sure. up on YouTube, you find me. And I've done this keywording thing I'm talking about for writing listings with Cerebro. Mm -hmm. I did an exact demonstration yeah. of how to do that. It's pretty technical, perfect, actually, perfect. like for people who have never, it took me a long time to figure out how to do this. So I was able to kind of sum it up sure. in about 15 minutes. So but it is pretty technical <laughs> to follow the process. Yeah. And that's on my YouTube channel. I do other cool. demos of like how to yeah. specifically do this stuff awesome. on there. So. Um, Fantastic. Well, as we start to kind of 
to wind down, we have these questions that we ask all yes. of our guests. We call them the magic questions for no logical reason, but we just call them that. So we have a list of them that we, that we ask and maybe pick or choose a couple uh, to ask our guests. And one of our favorite ones to ask is um, the, the crystal ball question, right? So if we asked you to kind of look into your crystal ball, what do you think the future of print on demand looks like? If you had to, to wager a guess, mm -hmm. we, we won't hold you to it unless it comes to fruition and then we'll just give you all the credit. But what would you think that would look like? I actually think print on demand is going to really become bigger and bigger as time passes because the supply chain that we use now, we're seeing it's broken. Right. It's broken. Yeah. But as 3D printing evolves mm -hmm. and becomes better and cheaper and more uh, like where you can produce faster like, why would you get a thousand mugs made in China or 10,000 mugs made in China when you could, I could right. go in and I could pick the perfect mug for me and then I could yeah. click print and Travis yeah. isn't printing yeah. a, a design on a pre-made mug. He's actually printing the whole mug hmm. or yeah. printing the right. whole bowl or the whole fork or whatever. So I actually think print on demand is the future of logistics and supply. I, I love that answer. I think I, I have often thought okay. 3D yeah. printing in, in and of itself is going mm -hmm. to take a huge uh, and as as that technology continues to advance, it's going to be a huge player in the just the typical print on demand industry because, like you said, all yeah. of a sudden I can print the you know a lamp <laughs> or or something else you know and then right. uh, you know put the innards right. in it and then screw the yeah. light bulb on or whatever and I mean there's all of these physical products that I can't create with a printer but yeah. I would be able to create with a 3D printer so I totally I love that answer Cordelia mm -hmm. that's great yeah. We were having that conversation, Travis, the other night when we were you're at you know our property mm -hmm. and we were around yeah. the fire and we were just talking about 3D printing, print on demand. We actually we actually had this crazy idea about 3D print on demand real estate, which is insane. But uh, <laughs> so yeah, we were, we were having those conversations about what they look like. now. Like there's there's buildings yeah. that are 3D yeah. printed. So I mean, I, it's still very early in the technology sure. cycle of that, but. It, in the next 10 years, print-on-demand is going to expand exponentially with each passing year, yeah. I believe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Totally. Absolutely. Well, Cordelia, thank you. Thank you so much for taking time uh, out of your schedule to join us today. I know as we record, it's, it's Memorial Day, so thank you for taking time out of uh, your holiday and joining us. Before we let you go, please tell people where they can find you. I know you mentioned Cordelia, Cordelia TV on YouTube, but tell everyone, tell everyone where else they can find you on social media. Sure. So to keep things simpler, because I have a couple of different companies and, you know, blah, blah, blah. It gets, it sure. gets complicated in our modern world. Mm. So I, you can find me CordeliaBlake.com. You can find me on LinkedIn under Cordelia Blake. Yeah. <laughs> I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram at Cordelia Blake. You know, it's kind yeah. of simple. YouTube yeah. is just Cordelia Blake TV. I try to do new videos every week that are educational. Some weeks I miss, awesome. but mostly it's every week. And I do take <laughs> requests. So if there's something you really want me to demonstrate and I can, I will be glad to do it. Um, so that's where you can find Perfect. me. And I, um, so cool. I have a company that we do consulting. 
Um, so we help businesses transition. We help businesses who have products learn how to sell on Amazon. We help companies mm-hmm. that are really good at one thing but want to pivot. Um, we do coaching with sellers on how to do things. And then I also have a community of sellers called Scanner Society. Um, and then, you know, I just try to be helpful. So if I can be of service, I will try to do that. Awesome. Fantastic. Well, Cordelia, thank you for joining us. And uh, guys, please take advantage of of Cordelia's information on her YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. If you need consultation, um, clearly she knows her stuff and uh, it would only be to your advantage to kind of lean in and and, uh, follow Cordelia and learn more of what she has to offer. So Cordelia, thank you so much. And uh, we look forward to catching up with you again. Thanks for having me. We want to thank Cordelia one more time for coming on to the show, taking her mm-hmm. time out of her day this holiday, this Memorial Day, yeah. to join us. Um, again, fantastic episode. And I'll tell you what, man, uh, I know we kind of touched on this momentarily in the interview, but POD Bundles has my wheels mm-hmm. turning, and I will <laughs> definitely be um, suggesting that and pursuing what that could look like because I think it just makes sense. Um, so yeah. it's certainly something that, I'm going to get into. What about you, man? Uh, now that we've kind of uh, gone into the interview, we're on the other side of it. Uh, what's something that stood out to you real quick while we're kind of wrapping this whole thing up? Yeah, I think, you know, just helium 10 in and of itself, I've heard a lot of people that do uh, particularly a lot of keyword research, not just for mm-hmm. um, private label and, you know, that type of thing, right. but specifically even for print on demand, they, and, and just kind sure. of, hearing some of the ways that she's using helium 10. And by the way, um, we do have a helium 10 link in the show notes and it is, it is actually an affiliate link. So, um, if you click that, you will be, there will be like a kickback that we get. Yay. Uh, you know, for us, um, you know, for the print on demand (laughs) cast and and we'd appreciate if you do use that link, but man, um, it is a powerful, powerful tool. It's a little pricey, you know? And so if you're just starting out, I I don't know that I would necessarily recommend that as your entry point, Um, but you know, if you're more of an established seller, it could be kind of the next piece of the pie that'll kind of take you over the top, um, you know, to really kind of set your listings apart, um, particularly through keywording. And that's one of the reasons we had this episode is because I, uh, like I said, in the, in the intro, I think a lot of people kind of gloss over keywords and just, they just do them and then, uh, and then they kind of set them and forget them. And I think that there's so much more that you can do with them to really gain, uh, traction on these online marketplaces to to really increase your sales volume, and that's obviously you know the the whole tagline of our Facebook group is we make shows to help you make sales, and that's kind of what this really the definition yeah. of this show is. This show is to help you make sales. So you know yep. rewind and and like listen to it again, and uh, um, and if you have Helium Ten already, man, I mean, I think she shared some really great tips. Uh, for how to use that tool in an effective way for print on demand. Yeah, absolutely. So avail yourself, like Travis said, of Helium 10. If you feel like you're at the spot in your business where you can leverage it correctly and and take on Mm -hmm. that expense. Um, And also, you know, we do have the affiliate link and and Travis and I, we love doing this. Uh, It definitely is a passion project. It takes a lot of time. Um, And so we click that link, we get a small kickback, which is kind of a way to keep us reinvesting in equipment and reinvesting in the show and, and kind of growing this thing so that more people can find it and we can continue to do this um, for free, which we absolutely love to do. So uh, if you feel so inclined, 
uh, get Helium 10 through that link, and then maybe someday soon we'll even have a merch store with a bunch of inside funny print-on-demand stuff that you can also support <laughs> the show that way as well. Uh, we'll have to um, give some more thought to that, but that is definitely uh, something we're thinking about doing. So thank you guys so much for joining us this week. Thank you one more time to Cordelia Blake for taking mm -hmm. uh, the time to chat with us. If you want more information about the show, if you want to get involved in the conversation, if you have questions, if maybe you have an idea about keywords or you want to show us a cool bundle that you made that's POD based on the inspiration mm -hmm. of this episode or your first grandmother trucker hat, um, you can <laughs> do that. And the easiest way to do it is doing going to printonamancast.com slash Facebook and joining the group. Uh, we would love yep. to have you be a part of the community and interact with you. Um, I think I posted on there today just the growth that we're seeing analytically on the back end of the print-on-demand cast. It's really cool to see for Travis and I, especially because this was birthed out of a conversation around his campfire with beer and cigars. And to see it kind of where it's come so far <laughs> is awesome. And yep. where it could go uh, is equally as awesome. Um, so thank you guys so much for your support. As always, rate on yeah. iTunes, subscribe on iTunes. We're on Spotify, Google, Stitcher, all of the major POD cast platforms. I got that backwards, and I'm going to try it again. <laughs> on all the major <laughs> podcast platforms, the POD cast <laughs> is there for you. So, uh, Travis, anything else before we put a bow on this thing? Nah, that's that was great. I love that you said the POD cast when you were talking about Stitcher and all those other places because it's the podcast, you know, it's the POD cast. It's the it's the, it's the play on words that we wanted. Yeah, that's exactly, exactly. the the impetus behind the 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 title of this show. So, uh, thank you guys so much. We'll see you here next week for Travis. I'm Josiah. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you again right here on the Print On Demand cast. See ya. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Print On Demand cast. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you've got a question or a suggestion for the show, send Travis and Josiah an email at info at printondemandcast.com. Take a minute to rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. And don't forget to subscribe now so you don't miss next week's episode. See you next week.